0: to your Father. We pray, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts on how to better communicate with the King of the Universe. For those that call ourselves Christians, we we have full access to you, Heavenly Father, any place, any time. And I pray that we would learn more about what that means And that we would be taken to new places in our lives with you. So Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Help us to understand better what it means to successfully communicate with our Heavenly Father in a faith-filled way. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, I don't, you know, the, uh, so remember I said the whole distorted thing about the PowerPoint and the words being everywhere and kind of, that's kind of the way I feel like uh, the messages kind of plop something, you know, just on me. And so it's kind of a, a little bit of a rambling about John 17, but definitely with an intended purpose. So it's, we're just going to kind of see how it comes out. All right. Um, because what we talked about last week, we, you know we talked about our fast and we talked about laying ourselves out you know before God in this new year, and being aware of what happens when we pray, so there's us, right there's God the Father, and there's Holy Spirit, and there's also an enemy, Satan the devil, right and we talked about um, how the enemy, how the devil, like in Daniel. He can actually hold back and get in the way of and delay the answers that God wants to bring. So the enemy, Satan, the devil, is powerful enough to actually get in the way and inhibit and obstruct the prayers of faithful Christians. Right, we talked about that last week. Daniel himself, where he prayed. And he didn't get an answer back for 21 days. And during that 21 days, he fasted and prayed like we are doing. And he fasted and prayed because he had to hear from God. He had to hear from heaven. He was just brought to a place of just um, inner turmoil and just not satisfied. So he's fasting and praying. He needed more. He wanted to be brought to a new place with God. He needed a fresh word from God. And so last week we talked about how prayers... Don't always have result immediately. That's what we talked about last week. And we talked about what could be some of the reasons for that. So one of the things we talked about last week is that there could flat out be no relationship with God, and so we won't see an answer to prayer. And a couple of people gave their lives to Christ last week. Praise God on that. Right? It's awesome. Because once you, if you don't get past that part, you can't even get into the rest of the relationship. So if we're going to hear from God, we're going to pray to him and, ask, and expect him to, to move back in our lives in a powerful and significant way, it's not going to happen unless we're submitted. So once we come to a place where we've surrendered and given our lives and our hearts over to Jesus Christ, Father, I give you my heart, I give you my life. I receive what Jesus has done on the cross for my life. I now live after you. Right? Once we do that, and our hearts come to that place, that's not exactly those words, but that type of heart behind it, now we can be in a two-way communication relationship with God the Father. So then from there, what happens when we're praying and we don't hear an answer? We don't sense an answer. That's a good question. I'm glad that you asked couple of things going on. One is, God could simply be saying to us, not yet. Could simply be saying, just not yet. I need you in relationship with me for right now. The thing that you're praying about, I know more about that than you do. And right now, it's just not good for you. But stay close to me because I'm going to show you what is good for you. And I think many of us are quick to bail right after we hear the not yet thing. And then immediately put God on trial before he kind of gives us the rest of the information. So a lot of times just a not yet, and he's calling us to be in relationship with him. It could also just be a flat out no, not having it. It's not for you. You're not walking in this. And of course, we're always okay with that. <laughs> because how many people know that prayer time with God is not a conduit or a channel to have what we want happen. It's a conduit and a channel for what he wants to have happen. So hopefully we're in a place where are like, no on that okay, you father me better than anybody, Lord. I can trust you. That's fine. So I guess where you're shutting that down, you're showing up over here somewhere then. Thank you that you are. Sometimes a Christian can get locked into a place after that now, well, how are you real? How can you love me? Who treats their kids like this? Well, if you da 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 da, da. And you go down the whole thing and just waste years like that. It's a sad thing. So it could be a flat out no. It could be a not yet, drawing us into relationship. It could also be just like Daniel. He was repentant, a lifestyle before God. He was even highly esteemed, that the Bible says. And there was a delay in his prayers. And there was a delay because, not because he wasn't in right relationship with God, um, not even because God was saying no. It was because the devil, the enemy himself, was able to detain an angel who was bringing the message, the answer back to him. So much so that that angel had to call on another one for a reinforcement backup and say, "Hey, yeah, get me out of here. I'm stuck." That's crazy, right? It's wild to think of. So we could be in totally right relationship with God. And let's assume for a minute that we are. I know it's a big assumption. Let's just assume for a minute we are. <laughs> yep, here comes the smiles. But let's assume, but when the right relationship, I don't mean perfect, I mean right. I mean humbled. I mean, Lord, you're pointing this out in my heart and in my life. Yeah, that wasn't right. It was sin and it got in the way. I'm sorry. I'm going to follow after you, Lord. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I thank you that I won't be stuck there anymore, but... I did this time. I'm going to lean on you more next time. You know, that, that's the heart. That's the Christian heart. Staying in right relationship with an attitude like that. And when that happens, the enemy can absolutely come in there and somehow, I don't know how it happens, and the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about it. He obstructs and he holds back an answer that heaven's trying to give. And many times a Christian can then come and start reeling And saying, what am I doing wrong? What's going on here? What am I doing wrong? And maybe some other Christian could come alongside, possibly even say, man, you must have some secret sin in your life you have not been confessing or dealing with. Which maybe in some cases, that could be true. But again, let's assume for right now, we have an open, repentant heart before God. The enemy is able and is powerful enough to delay heaven's answers. So no matter what the scenario is, I hope that our hearts are secure enough that God is coming with an answer in his way and in his time and we're not going to freak out in the meantime. In fact, a way better response that God is actually asking of us and requiring of us is not only to not just freak out in the meantime, which for some people that's a really big deal and that's a season of life where you're just not freaking out, we are not hearing anything. When you move to another season of life, you kind of move past the freak out and you move into faith. Oh God, I'm not hearing from you, but I know I'm gonna. I'm your son and your daughter. You're not gonna leave me or abandon me. Your world, your word is filled with that. I'm so grateful I can go trust in you. And I'm so grateful I get to go out on Sunday and sing with my brother and sisters because I know you're gonna come through. I know that relationship will happen. I know that job opportunity will come through. I know that finance thing, it'll get worked out. You won't leave me. You won't abandon me. Right? That's the next season. And that's the one that God is calling us to be in relationship with him. Because, man, then he can really move when that faith level is high. So, that type of prayer, that type of prayer, that type of communication with God... That's the type of prayer that can move towns, that can move homes, that can shift just cultures and environments. That is the type of prayer that I am very much interested in. I, I am not really that interested in, I don't think God is really that interested in the sort of through the routine, same prayer at grace all the time, and that's the only prayer I ever do. That, that's crazy, right? We have access to a heavenly father who he says, our father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. So he's saying for us to pray to him so that his will that happens in heaven, when does his will not, have, not happen in heaven? Not a time. It's always happening. So he's saying, man, you pray, you stay close to me, stay connected to me. I'm bringing that through your life in your situation, and to those around you. This is how we're called to be, like, in prayer. This should be a, 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 just a pillar of our life. And so I get very excited when I see, there's not a lot of passages in the Bible where you see Jesus himself. Because a lot of times you think, well, he's Jesus. You know, he has, like, the a different route to God. He's Jesus. I, he, but he was a man. He walked as a human. He had to intentionally set aside time, set aside people, set aside crowds. And he had to intentionally go after time with his father. All of us know there's huge demands on our schedules. And we got a lot of stuff going on. All of us do. Jesus knows something about all of that going on. Bless you. And also having a huge mission... And knowing where he had to plug in. So when we get a picture of Jesus Himself praying, I get I get kind of excited. I'm like oh, we get to hear how He talks and how He prays to His Father. This I'm interested in, because Jesus, He can do anything, and He's done everything, and He was perfect, and He was in perfect relationship with His Father. He would say things like, I only do the things that I see my Father doing. I always do what pleases my Father. That's not language I can currently use in my life. I'm getting there. More so. But I I can't tell you that I always do what pleases God. I, I always know what God's will is. Without a shadow of a doubt, I just know and I just walk in it. I don't know if you can say that. But if Jesus was saying it, the spirit that enabled and empowered him, that same spirit is going to bring us to a life and to a place like that. We're so closely aligned with the heart of God that that type type of life and mindset and attitude and language will become more of a part of our attitude, mindset and language. Does that make sense? So I get really excited when I see Jesus do this. So you want to see what he says? Let's see what he says. Let's see what he says. And we're not going to get through the whole thing, but we'll get through some of it. So after Jesus had said this, what did he say? Let's look back real fast. Chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things. And there was even more things before that. Things about the Holy Spirit, things about life things about the vine and the branch and about abiding in Him, all these things. I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Say peace. Peace, peace is a big deal, right? Really big deal. We had such a breakthrough last Sunday towards peace. is really significant. When somebody just pours out from the Spirit of God that I'm off my anxiety pills that I was on for like three years, that's, that's a really big deal. That's amazing. You know, somebody, you know, asked for prayer for it in that way. I mean, worry, fear, anxiety, stress, this stuff rules the day in much of people's lives, much of Christian lives. And Jesus, like, he's known as the Prince of Peace. Like, that's his thing. And he's looking to have that thing invade our homes and invade our hearts. It's going to happen. It's default mode for Jesus. Pretty soon it's going to be more and more default mode in our hearts and in our minds. Because that same spirit lives in us. So he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And then after Jesus had said this, right, about overcoming the world and a whole bunch of other things, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Something interesting right away that I see. He didn't close his eyes. Somebody didn't tell him that. you supposed to close your eyes? No, you don't have to close your eyes all the time in prayer. Keep those things open once in a while. And it happens in prayer meetings sometimes next door, you know, it's just like, I guess... I'm there and I'm just like closing my eyes for a long time and then I can start to, I start to go, you know? Really tired. <laughs> it was like a long day. Might be really warm in there. Uh, you know, and then, and we had, he, he doesn't attend here anymore, but we had a gentleman there. He would come to prayer meeting and when he wasn't praying, I, I kid you not, in about 20 seconds, you would hear, <laughs> I'm saying loud, <laughs> and and it was it was it was pretty small too. You know, there might be like three of us, so it's not even like you can hide that. So, I I, I talked to him. I think after the first time, I said, hey, it's like you got. What do you can do to try and stay awake? Keep your eyes open. You know what you got to do. You know, be really good at. Oh, I know. I know. I got to stay. Yes. I said not just when you pray, when others pray, kind of sends a message when you fall asleep when you're done talking. You don't want to send that message. So, okay, okay. Sure enough, you know, next prayer meeting. He kind of goes through his thing. And then somebody, maybe 30 seconds this time. And his head like starts to drop. Because I'm looking now. My eyes aren't closed. I'm looking at him. And he's dropping. Yeah. <laughs> And so then he starts down that route. I gave him a shot under the table. Wham! He goes, hey, let looks try (laughs) that. Come on, man. Come on. So it's good to have your eyes open once in a while. All right? It's good to have. It's okay. It's totally okay. It doesn't mean your prayer will be any less effective or powerful. And honestly, now having kids in the home, there's almost no time where we can pray with our eyes closed. Number one, I don't know what's about to happen if we do close our eyes. Number two, we got a window of like this small, maybe three and a half seconds that we got to maybe get a prayer in. We might get lucky with five. And we got to see everything that happens within that five seconds. So, you know, our, so even when we're praying for food or praying for whoever, whatever, they don't even quite understand the closing the eyes thing. Yet. So, you can't even, so we just pray their eyes open. And you know, a fun thing that we do at the dinner table is that uh, because they need to get their bodies, you know, involved, too, when we do the prayer. Otherwise, it's just, it turns into a weird thing, and they say weird stuff. Um, yeah, you know, Jaren's like, thank you for my construction cars. Amen. Uh, yeah. I was like, bud, we're talking with God, and he doesn't even get the whole God. But he does know Jesus, you know, he get, he's getting it. It's coming in there. So the thing that we do at the table is, uh, I don't even know where I got it from, but... Take our cups, and we raise them up, because at least that's like motor like, skills for them they have to do, and it makes them, it's like just copying and doing things. Cups up, guys, and then uh, Justin's like, pray, pray. I'm like, yeah, we're praying, you know, and then, then we'll pray. We know whatever it is, and then Jaron usually like repeats, you know, and then we toast, and then we drink, and then now like we can start, you know. <laughs> it just works, because it's just, that's just given the situation, how things are, you got to do with what works, right? It's not the same thing all the time, same posture, same situation, same people. You've got to do with what works. The best way that we can figure out to connect, you know, with God. Um, and in that case, we're just parenting, so we're trying to do it that way too. But after Jesus had said this, he looked up toward heaven and he prayed. Okay, let's see what he says. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. With you before the world began. So let's check this out. A lot of words going on here. So every time you see the word glory or glorify, just hold up a finger. So, Father, the time has come, glorify. Almost everybody's paying attention, that's pretty good. That your Son may glorify. For you grant him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So how many we got? Some people have 10, some people have five. Nice job. Five, right? So in that short, Right? That's five verses. That's just kind of how he's just setting the stage here. It's all centered on glory. And I was doing that myself when I was studying this. I was like, you know, holding my fingers up and I was doing it. It's like that helps, you know, it helps. Word repetition, God, God knows what he's doing. Word repetition. Should pay attention to those. So glory seems like a big issue here. Another significant issue is that Jesus is actually praying for himself. So it's okay to pray for yourself. But I think within this prayer, it gives us an idea. It gives us kind of a model or something to pay attention to when we are praying for ourselves. So let's talk about this a little bit. So glory was a big time issue. So he says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son so your son may glorify you. And as you went through the rest of that, you could see that Jesus was just concerned about glory being brought to God in heaven. Glory, glory. So that's kind of a strange word, right? We don't really use, I don't know if you use glory a whole lot. Maybe you say like somebody's in their glory, you know, when they're, a lot of times it's said about people when, when they're right, oh, you're just in your glory right now, you know, when they're right. Um, or maybe when like they're in their element, doing their thing, whatever it is that they're kind of gifted at, oh, they're just in your glory right now, you know, something like that. But glory is, is like giving praise, um, giving adoration, holding in honor, Somebody, right? That's what glory is. Bless you. And so somebody might have a situation where maybe you've received trophies, maybe. Maybe you never got a trophy, I don't know. But trophies of some kind, maybe a certificate. um, Or maybe like a public accolade in some kind. If that's happened, you've received glory from other people, right? They've praised you, um, right? They've um, uh, recognized who you are and what you've done. So Jesus is saying, glorify me, glorify your son. Hold me up right now, Father, so that your name can be glorified. There's two things for me. Number one, that gives me a clue and an idea of where Jesus' mindset is when he prays. So if you're curious about where Jesus is coming from when he prays, He's really curious about one thing. When he comes into prayer, he's not a laundry list guy. He's not a checklist guy. He's concerned with one thing. And as he lives his life, he's concerned with one thing. That one thing that he's concerned with is glory being brought to God the Father. However that can happen, anything that happens in his life, He's saying, Father, use it. Glorify yourself through me so people can see who you are and how you are. When there's a significant amount of Christians that have that type of attitude towards prayer, where we come into our prayer closets, prayer rooms, prayer areas, prayer cars, whatever, and our focus is, Lord, you just have your way in my life, Father. I I do have things I need, and I'm hoping you come through, but you come through in the way that you want because I want glory to happen. So people, it's undeniable that you're in my heart and that you're in my life. These are prayers that move heaven. We're now in a place where God is like, okay, now we can move. We're getting ourselves out of the way. We can still present our needs before him, He certainly knows what they are anyways, right? He knows exactly what they are. But if we're looking just for our needs to get met, I think we're missing it. We're looking for our needs to get met in a way that glorifies him. Right? That's good, right? We're looking for a way for him to answer our prayers so that he can be glorified. So much so, so like we don't get any of the credit. What'd you do? How'd that happen? <sighs> I, I don't know. I was totally broken. I, I, I don't even know. I, I literally just prayed to God, Michael, give it to Jesus. Give it to God, right? I literally, I had nothing left. I just gave him what I could. Because I only want glory to him to come out of this situation. These are the type of prayers that have to be at the root of how we communicate with God. God, I just want your I want your glory to just shine in my life. Because within that, we will find the Prince of Peace. We will find that is so light. And so much easier to deal with. Because we're not looking to make moves and manipulate and control and position ourselves so we can hedge and that's so seeking and ah it just all falls off it's a true surrender and we put ourselves right in the middle God I am yours my body is yours Lord my finances are yours God all that I'm bringing it to you I want you to just glorify yourself in it Lord may I decrease may you increase in my life it's all that I want Father right that's the heart that he's looking for. That's how Jesus just set the tone for his prayer when his crew was watching. Father, glorify me. Interesting thing about that is, so Jesus is praying with a heart like this, right? So then he's about to be betrayed, be handed over, wrongly accused, flogged, crown of thorns, and then a cross. Right? That's what's happening next. So he's saying, glorify me. Glorify me. Sometimes in our background, we can get the idea of glorification being like, everybody look at me. Everybody see what I can do. Like, make sure everybody's watching me. Make sure everybody knows like, what I'm doing. Because then I can be recognized. Jesus glory. Father, glorify me. Glorify me, really? How so? Put me on that cross. (laughs) He's seeing he's seeing glory as the cross. He's not seeing glory as accolades. Why? Good question. He's seeing the cross as ultimate glory for the Father's sake, because in the cross is His mission. That's what God put on his heart. His name means Savior of all. His mission is going to be accomplished through the cross. He knows if he has to go through what he's got to go through and hit the cross for us, for all people, for all time, that's where glory is really shining. Because at the cross shows God's wisdom, his love, and his faithfulness. That's what happens at the cross. He knows it. Pretty much nobody else knows it. Living in a way where we glorify God is sometimes a very lonely place. Can't sugarcoat it. Sometimes you got others with you, and it's good, but sometimes it's lonely. But the cross is like where his ultimate glory was and where it resided. Father, magnify me, glorify me, so people can see how good you are, how faithful you are. Because that cross represents redemption, it represents freedom, it represents restoration, it represents a God who cannot be stopped to save that which was lost. That's powerful. Really powerful. And all throughout history, God has been saying, I'm making a way, I'm coming for you, I'm bringing a remnant back. I will save them. I'm going to write their spirit, my spirit on their hearts. They're going to be done following rules. He's been saying it through prophets, throughout the entire world, throughout all history. And now it's going to happen. This is awesome. Very cool. So, Father, the the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him, Jesus talking, for you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. He's got authority over everybody, right? Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. One judge. Check this out, verse 3. Now this is eternal life. Now if you didn't know the rest of the verse or you weren't looking or you put your finger on or crossed it out or something, now this is eternal life and it was like fill in the blank, I wonder what you would put in there. Because probably whatever you would put in there is not what's about to happen here. Now, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, eternal life. We know absolutely through the whole, through the whole, that eternal life is in Jesus Christ. Right? Receiving Him, accepting Him, and our names get written in the book of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that takes care of our salvation issue for all time. But there's still a life to live. There's still a life to live. There's still a job to go to. There's still kids to take care of. There's still responsibilities. There's still this world where the enemy rules and has domain. So within that, We have a situation where he says, this is eternal life, that they may know God. So check out this word, know. It's very interesting in the Greek. It's, it's pretty cool. So the word is gnosko. ever say gnosko. 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 So this word, it means to know, de, right? learn, be familiar with, understand, acknowledge. Check out the last one. Have sexual intercourse. I'm not saying we have sex with Jesus. I'm not saying that. Well, yeah, people get weird. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that the word is used in such a way. That word no is trying to describe an extremely intimate and close relationship. Something that resembles intercourse. That kind of no. No people spend lots of time looking at tabloids and being fans of sports teams, which I'm not, you know, knocking. It's, I like sports, I follow them, but people get weird and then they're part of the roster and things get weird. Oh, how'd you do today? We did, da-da-da-da. You know, it gets weird. But they follow sports teams, they know about sports teams, or they read tabloids, and know about celebrities and who they divorce and who they're dating and da-da-da-da. Or if those celebrities and those people walk by them in the street, they would have no idea who they are. It's just... Or they tweet at them and they say, hey, Taylor Swift, I'm your biggest fan. Yes. They have no idea who you are. So some people think they know somebody from afar, especially in our day and age with technology. Oh, yeah, I know them. I know. That's not what God is talking about. He's saying no. Being close. Understanding who they are. What their mind is like. What their heart is like. What their desire is. We're called to be this close in relationship with God. And He wouldn't call us to be that close if He didn't make a way for it to happen. Holy Spirit is there to make that happen. To where we're going to start to know and understand God better and deeper than we ever have. See, this entire thing about Christianity was always about a relationship. Always about relationship and it always goes back to just being in a relationship and just knowing him. Father, what do you have in this situation? What are you working out here? I don't it's foggy at best right now. Or I don't even have a clue. So but I want to know, Lord, you have a will, you have a desire. I want glory to be brought to you. Where's my role in this? What are we doing? Right? This is the way we're called to interact and communicate with our Father and go back and forth, because we want to know his heart, right? We want to bring his heart, we want to bring heaven into our situations and into those around us. So then Christianity is way more than some intellectual thing we assent to. It's a life that we live. So it's not just I, I can debate or argue really well theology with somebody and hopefully the guy who knows more about Christian theology wins. It has a place a man a life lived that's transformed that knows the heart of God and is evidence in their life the world then is having a pretty good understanding of what Christianity is all about and what God is like so hopefully we don't get so hung up on our needs and our desires and what he hasn't done that we're missing the whole thing we could be missing the whole thing So then Jesus finishes up here. He says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So we know he's going back with his Father. He will be back there very soon. After he goes to the cross, rises from the dead, Eventually, he's going to take off and be back with his Father in heaven, right? Because Jesus, he's not here now, right? Holy Spirit has come. That's what Pentecost was all about. Jesus had to go so the Holy Spirit could come. And that's where he is now. And, you know, next week we'll get into 6, probably through 19, where he's praying for his disciples. And then, probably the week after that, we'll do 20 through 26th There, we're praying for all believers, including us, for all time, which that's very interesting. But for our passage this morning, it's all about the glory. God, have your glory revealed in my heart and in my life. And if that's not our heart's desire, or we've never even used language like that before, please, please, please start using that language. Please. It's really important that we actually pray back scripture, the way it's actually written down, the way God had chosen the words that he'd chosen to have written and his word to us. Pray it back. God, I want your glory to be revealed in my relationship with so-and-so. I want your glory to be revealed in my cubicle where I'm at. I want your glory to be revealed in the way I teach my math class. That one's mine. Probably not yours. But that's the deal. I want his glory to be revealed in the way the kids come for extra help after math class. And just crying out, looking for more, looking for more, not stopping. Because we can't exhaust God. Can't do it. We can't do it. And that's how the rest of the world is going to know. That's how the rest of the world is going to know that God is real, that he is alive, and that he responds. To authentic hearts that pour out. So then you don't have to do a whole lot of convincing. You could just do a whole lot of sharing. Look what he's done in my life. Look what he's doing. So I hope, I hope this encourages you during your fast. Right? Because we're giving up stuff and the idea is not to give up stuff. Anybody can give up anything. Every religion does it. Every diet program does it. It's not the issue. The issue is giving it up but then replacing and refilling with Jesus Christ himself. Being and just in fellowship with him. I'm giving that up, Lord. That matters to me. I, I like that. I'm into that. It helps me feel better. It helps my life go better. For right now, I give that up. I know in you has found the true bread of life. I know in you has found peace. I know in you has found wisdom. And I want to follow after you. Right? Purpose of the fast. Purpose of the fast. So what we're going to do, so we're going to have communion set up up here. Okay? So before we do communion, um, let's just, uh, if anybody wants to, Jesus is eternal life. So if anybody wants to accept Jesus as their Savior, and like today is the day where their life changes forever, then we got a chance right now, this could be your first communion as a believer. Significant moment in life. Um, So let's just give people a chance for that in case there are some, and then afterwards we'll take communion. So if you could uh, close your eyes and bow your head. So if you have never, ever, in a real way, said, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, I choose you and no other, and I want you to be glorified in my life. If you've never said that, this is not for people who are struggling. But just somebody who's just never said that. If you've never said it, um, just look up and uh, look at me and um, praise God. Praise God. It's awesome. Just look up right at me. Good deal. All right. So here's what you're going to do. If you looked up, you're going to pray this prayer to yourself. Okay, if you looked up, just pray this prayer to yourself. Don't have to pray it out loud. Father, I give you my heart and I give you my life. I receive what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for my sins. Father, I trust you from where to go from here. I thank you for what you've done for me. Show me how to live a life that reflects my gratitude. Thank you for my new life that starts today. Amen. So let's just give a hand clap for those that have done that because that's a big deal. Real big deal. So make sure you you come find either me or a very close, trusted Christian friend that uh, you can share that with because it's important. It's really important. Um, So communion elements are up here. If you could, just come on up. We're going to play some music. Austin has some music queued up. We're going to play it, take it, hold on to it, and then we'll take communion together.